We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com postgame show. I am Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. Oh, boy. Lakers fall to the Clippers, and there were parts of this game that were, let's be honest, embarrassing for the Lakers. They lose 114 to 101 to a Kawhi Leonard-less Clippers side. LeBron James looked like he had found his rhythm again, at least shooting the basketball, and then, because of course, gets injured at the end of the game and now we are all on pins and needles waiting to hear what is going on with LeBron James this leg injury that's what the Lakers are calling it for now so we've got a lot to talk about what does this mean for the Lakers now two and nine on the season what do they do from here where do they go and I know Lakers fans are going to have a lot to say about what they just witnessed out there on the floor joining me tonight John Space Davis John how are you doing I'm doing all right, Trevor. Glad to be back on with you. And uh, how are you holding? How are you hanging in there, man? You know what? I will admit I am not in the best of moods after that game that we just watched. We were over on playback, and we got to you know go through the game, and at least we you know experienced it together, and that was fantastic. Uh, being able to to um, talk through the game with Lakers fans while it was going on, but there were moments where you saw these little sparks that got your hope up, hopes up. You thought, okay, and then no uh, crushing run at the end of the third quarter. Uh, the Lakers had tied the game up, I believe, at 71. Clippers going a big run to end the third, and that was pretty much the end of the game. That that was it there. The Lakers couldn't quite get back into it or threaten after that. Um, to jump into some stats before we start getting into Super Chats and questions and comments, and I'm sure it's a lot of comments in there, but Anthony Davis, 21 points, 9 boards, 3 assists, 9 for 16 shooting. We do need to talk about AD. There's uh, some body language stuff going on there. 30 points for LeBron, 8 boards, 5 assists, 2 steals. 12 of 22 shooting, four for nine from three. That's the LeBron we remembered. Finally, the shot came back around, was not enough, and now we've got an injury to worry about. Austin Reeves, eight points, nine boards, so he was pretty active on the boards there. Troy Brown, 14 points, four boards, six for 10 shooting for him, so he stepped up a bit, but no Lonnie Walker in this game, uh, out still due to illness. Russell Westbrook, 14, nine assists, two steals, and four boards. The Clippers, you look across the way, Every single starter in double figures, 29 for Paul George. They shoot 51% from the field, and you get 18 from Norman Powell off of your bench, who, remember, the Clippers got for free because Steve Ballmer was willing to pay the 
salary for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. That's essentially what that trade broke down to with the, the Portland Trailblazers. The Clippers didn't really give up anything. They were just willing to trade away some expiring contracts and pay the cost to have these players on their roster, and you get a guy coming off your bench that can put up 18 for you. And Robert Covington didn't even play in this one. Neither did Kawhi Leonard, who is perpetually injured. Um, and it didn't matter. The Lakers still could not keep up. And it was pretty apparent as you're watching this game the differences between these two sides when you're watching them try to go at each other out there on the floor. The Lakers have three, maybe four guys who are playing at an NBA level and the rest who simply are not. It's not pretty out there. All right, Sean. Let's do it. Let's get in to these super chats here. And let me know if we if we happen to see anything on LeBron's injury, let's be be ready to hit that breaking news button. Yep. All right, we've got Mike E says, what makes anyone think if LA makes a trade, it won't be another terrible one? Time to sell to more capable ownership. This is utter failure. That's the caution, right? There's so many Lakers fans who are saying, do something, do it now. This is terrible. This is painful. This is gross. Fix it. Do something. Don't just sit there. That's the response from Lakers fans right now. But this front office also put them in this situation over the last, what, four years or so that we've seen move after move after move be made. And a lot of these moves setting them further and further away from where they need to be. How confident should we be, Sean, that this next move, whatever it is, is going to be a good one? I mean, I'm not that confident, especially because now the Lakers are operating from a, a point of desperation where Rob Palenka is already not the best in terms of asset management. Um, and now he's operating from a place of desperation and a like panic mode or whatever. Um, and it's the same teams. So now they get more, I'm using the L word here, the fans have kind of tuned out leverage, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. in, in trade negotiations. So um, it, it's, I, 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 I understand this thought process and why Laker fans don't trust Rob Palenka. And Trevor, we say it all the time, like, when's the last time you can really say the Lakers won a trade? It was the Danny Green trade, but now in the benefit of hindsight, that trade looks terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Dennis Schroeder trade. In the moment, it looked like a good trade for the Lakers. That was the yeah. general consensus. But, yeah, that's – it's Looking been a back, while. Yeah. Now Desmond Bain is arguably an all-star, right? It's like, that's how that's how he's playing, rather. So, um, I understand. Not good. And Mikey saying this is utter failure. He's not wrong. Not wrong when you look at this team out there on the floor and they're not, and nothing is clicking. They're not figuring things out right now. Feels like they're sliding backwards. They have moments, but can't put it together. Kyle Hampton, not a lot to say about that. The good news Troy Brown Jr. looked good. Keep working on him. I've got some bad news on Troy Brown Jr. They don't have his bird rights. So, big picture, if you're saying, this is done. Let's focus on the future. Unless you want to use cap space, if the Lakers if the Lakers have cap space next summer, depending on what they do or don't do on the trade market here, um, they have no bird rights to keep Troy Brown Jr. Again, unless you want to use cap space for him. So this is going to be another Malik Monk situation where he just might get paid more than what the Lakers can offer him. Now, we've got a long way to go, but just, I don't know. Every time I see Tr- Troy Brown Jr. play well, 
that's always in the back of my mind that, well, but you only gave him a one-year deal, so you're getting him his next contract, but that doesn't help the Lakers when they need, need it long-term. That's the problem with signing these one-year veteran minimum deals uh, for guys that you, the younger players that you ideally would like to develop. But you're right, Troy Brown Jr. has been good. The bad news, Kendrick Nunn, nonetheless, no clue what's going on there. Kendrick Dunn was a good NBA player at one point. Tonight, <laughs> he, brought, he was. Tonight, 0 for 4, 3 assists, 0 points. He is a minus 16 on the night, played 12 minutes, didn't see him much in the second half, and didn't look like you should. Didn't, there was nothing he did in the first half that suggested he should be out there in the second half. The, the, the Lakers, this Lakers team needed Kendrick Nunn, the 15-point-per-game score for the Miami Heat from a couple seasons ago. They needed that guy this season. Yeah. The guy they've got right now is not that so far. Teams have started 2-9 and nine or worse in NBA history. It's 161 team, set teams. Only five ended with, this, with a winning record. Only 13 made the playoffs, and only one ever won a playoff series. Out of how many total? 161. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is not good. Now, that, that said, I think the Lakers have had a extraordinarily difficult opening schedule. And so yeah. that has to be a factor. But even so, even when they, they've had moments, like tonight's game, they had moments where things clicked. But this team is so dependent upon stops. If they don't get stops, if they can't get stops and then get out and transition and run, their half-court offense is simply not going to generate enough points to win any games. That's that's really all you have to do. Against, I mean, the game plan for this Lakers team is very simple. Pack the paint and get back like crazy on defense. Don't turn the ball over. If you do those things, you're going to win. That's all you have to do. Take care of the basketball, pack the paint on defense, and should you miss a shot, everybody run back as fast as you can. Because the Lakers' <laughs> half-court offense is not going to be able to beat you. Everybody turn back as fast as you can. That's I mean that's that's really that's it, right? It sounds simple, but I mean that's on the unfortunate reality. Darius said, "No more excuses. This is who we are." Third quarter woes again. Darwin did. Felt... Go ahead. I was just gonna say Darwin did everything that he could. Like we were talking about it in the playback stream. Like Darwin switched up the rotation in the third quarter. They actually had like that great run. Like you, like you mentioned at the top, tied the game at 71 apiece. And it, they really, it was really the third quarter in the last two minutes. For about six of those 12, they were fine. And then the star of the third got a little shaky, came back, and then they had that incredible run at the end of the fourth. And the Clippers won it for, from there. But, um, yeah, sorry to cut you off, but, yeah, go ahead. No, I, it just they had their moments where the third started off poorly. But like you said, Darvin Ham made adjustments. Instead of that lineup of LeBron and JTA and Wenyon and Nunn and, and whatever, like that we've seen in past games that just gets, it gets them in trouble. The end of the third, beginning of the fourth, they wind up in big, big trouble. He switched that. He changed it. It was Russ and it was LeBron and it was AD. And these guys were on the floor and they still gave up a huge Clippers run to essentially end the game at the end of the third. That was it. That was basically the end of the game there. As soon as they gave up that big Clippers run in the third quarter, um, I don't like. I don't know what else Darvin Ham does there. He switched things. He tried to fix it, and it didn't matter that it was LeBron and AD on the floor. That's scary. 
Yeah. Uh, Koa said, AD is no longer a superstar. He looks like a role player without any fire in him. If I see the lineup with LeBron, Gabriel, Nunn, Brown, and Reeves one more time, Palenka and Genie need to be held accountable. Not sure what Palenka and Genie. Like, if you're mad at the lineup being on the floor, not sure why you'd be mad at Palenka and Genie, unless your argument is, like, why are they on the team? But, I mean, you got a couple of serviceable players in there. Like, there's there's plenty of people who are going to be upset with the front office. But, I mean, they're they're not making the decision of the lineup to put on the floor, but they're making the decision on, in terms of who's on the roster. Um, but let's let's get to the first point. AD is no longer a superstar. He looks like a role player without any fire in him. 21 and 9 for AD. 9 of 16 shooting. 0 of 1 from 3. They mentioned it on the broadcast. This was supposed to be the season where AD was going to take more threes than ever before. Right? That's what Darvin Ham said. He's taking less threes than ever before. Since he started like really actually shooting threes, he's taking less than ever before. Um, I don't, there were moments where it looked like AD was kind of just going through the motions and I don't know if that's the back or, or whatever. We've seen moments where AD looks really good, but go back and watch AD two years ago. Watch the way he moves and back injuries can do this, but still it's noticeable how different it is. And yeah. that's, that's concerning. Uh, really, I guess more heartfelt. It, I, well, no, it depends how you take this. Uh, per Yovan, Russell Westbrook just walked into his post-game press conference loudly humming Break My Soul by Beyonce. Okay. What, what are we supposed to take, take from that? Trevor, go. What's your hardcore analysis from that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, see why not? I don't know if AD can be the player we need if he can't shoot consistently. Also, side note, I wish Terrence Mann was a Laker. He's everything we lack. There's a lot of players on the Clippers that are everything we lack. Like they were talking about on the broadcast, how many Clippers players start for the Lakers right now? At I mean, definitely, definitely the five that were in their starting lineup. Powell would start. Batum would start. Would Batum start? Eh, okay, he he's maybe questionable. Terrence Mann, John Wall, Robert Covington, Robert Covington's he's he he didn't even get in. He was a DNP coach's decision in this one. That's a lot of players. But like we're at least like eight or nine. Yeah, easy. Uh, how can we say this team is better with Ham when Vogel's team had the number one defense two years in a row? This is sadness. I think, and I'm going to take this one because I made this point. I, when I say it's it's better with Ham, is like schematically, right, on both ends of the floor, this is a better team than what we saw last season. And that's where the comparison comes in. This Darvin Ham coach team is better than last year's Frank Vogel coach team. This team doesn't touch, doesn't touch the title season or the year after that where – you can legitimately yeah. make the argument that that title team, I mean, the year after the title, we're healthy, maybe run it back, uh, went back to back. But I make the argument even then, like, offensively, this is schematically a better team, schematically being the keyword, keyword in terms of what Darwin, what what they're running out there is better than the Frank Volgara. But no, no, I'm, I'm – I don't think Trevor said this either. This is not better than those two teams that we just referenced. Yeah. 
Uh, Ozzy, remember when everyone was saying Pat Bev is the kind of player you hate playing against but love if he's on your team? That hasn't aged well. Pat Beverly tonight. He hit a couple threes. He hit a couple threes. 40% from three tonight. Two for eight. Both of them were threes. He was two of five from three. Four assists, one steal, seven points, uh, five fouls. He was he was talking, talking trash to Paul George. Didn't go the way you would have hoped out of Patrick Beverly. Um, hasn't been he hasn't been what we hoped he would be this season for the Lakers. Um because there was hope that, okay, he's a 38% three-point shooter on his career. He can be a little bit of a floor spacer. Right now, and I don't believe tonight's game is factored into this, he is shooting 23% from three. That's a big part of the value you were hoping to get out of Patrick Beverly. Now, on top of defensively, and he has done some good things defensively, what he brings in the locker room, those things matter, but he's not giving you the floor spacing that you really need. Just like like you needed Kendrick Nunn to provide scoring punch off of the bench. He hasn't been able to do it. You needed Patrick Beverly to be able to space the floor for you and knock in some threes. Hasn't been able to do it. Tonight be an exception. You needed Anthony Davis to look like his old self and stay healthy. Hasn't been able to do that, right? Like ev- All the boxes the Lakers needed to check are so far remaining unchecked with the exception of, of a few. And that's where you kind of wind up where they're at currently uh without matt ryan the team would be one and ten matt ryan did hit that big three um there were games that other games that were win- winnable this was not really one of them brandon best this season already feels worse than last season i don't know if it feels like it might to you to me i'm not quite there yet last season was rough but if this continues like this, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, by January, it's, it's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Chef said, Lakers' lack of size is taxing everyone on both ends. That is a factor. That is a factor. I mean, and we've talked about this a lot. AD kind of alluded to it in his presser the other day. Where, you know, like if he tries to go erase something from the basket, and we'll talk about AD, I'm sure, a lot more extensively later on. But if AD tries to erase something from the basket, now, like, you're at such a disadvantage because there's nobody else that can rebound. Or that's the size, like, put a body on a Zubach or a Jonas Valanciunas or, a, you know, a Rudy Gobert or things like that. So, um, and then uh, offensively, I, I don't know if you want to say it, it's taxing them, but I mean, now, I, maybe to add on to that point, though, you have to work a little bit harder offensively now to get your looks, which they do regardless of size. And you already have to be 120% perfect defensively. Like, it, it's hard. It's taxing for sure. All right, we do have an update on LeBron. This is um, – it's nothing significant here in terms of the update. Just he's going to undergo further testing for the medical staff to evaluate uh, what's going on, determine specifics about the left leg discomfort that forced him out of the fourth quarter. And Darvin Ham said they don't want to speculate. Uh, Darvin Ham said the team doesn't know the severity until he's seen by doctors tomorrow. So discomfort, that's it. That's that's all we know as of right now. And, and we'll hopefully you know find out more tomorrow. So pins and needles till then. Uh, Neil, Rob won't make a trade to hinder their future and sticking to LeBron and AD that this is your mess and you get out of it. Uh, I'll be here and you won't. What, what do you think about that? Like, if LeBron is injured and he's out 
for any length of time. How does that impact the Lakers on the trade market? Kudos to Matt the Optimist with this tweet, and we kind of talked about it um, in the playback stream towards the end. Um, if LeBron misses two weeks, there's no way, there's no way you make a trade. Because this team so desperately needs LeBron, especially because Anthony Davis, we talked about all the time, like, hey, this is this is the season. If it's not this year, it's never going to be, right? AD has shown through 11 games now that, like, he might not be that number one option, right? Like, he's not he's, – he's a good 1B, and I think that's just what it is at this point. Right. Um, and so we know how much you desperately need LeBron. So, like, let's say you, you – let's say you play, I don't know, in two weeks you play eight games. There's no way you're 500 through those eight games. So there's why are we making a trade? Because at that point, let's say you go three and five in those five games, you're two and nine right now. That puts you at what five and fourteen. You you would have to if you're going to make a trade, you would have to make sure that it's a trade where you're essentially doing your free agent shopping right now. Yeah, right. Like you're getting guys that you think can help you next season, the season after that, right? Guys that you're not sure that you're going to be able to get on the market this summer. That's that's really what you'd be looking for. If LeBron's going to be out for any length of time, you can forget doing a trade that's going to try to save this season. But it doesn't mean you're not going to do something to try to impact future seasons. Uh, Co-op said, Mark Jackson said it best. It's unacceptable what they're doing to LeBron. They're counting on him to do everything. Everyone was watching him. I mean, we've talked about how the Lakers need, when you've got LeBron, AD, Russ, you need two, three other guys to really step up and have solid performances. And right now the Lakers are maybe getting one most nights, one other guy to do something. And that's it's not enough. You can't win a game with four guys. You just, you just can't. The Wolves tried it. The Wolves played a possession with four guys. <laughs> did you see that? I did not see that. I know. I know it's like going around. D'Angelo Russell, uh, Thought he was waiting. He thought he needed to wait to check into the game. So he was at the scorer's table when, in fact, he was in the game. And so he just stayed at the scorer's table and they played four on five. Um, but yeah, that, that happened. So that'll be on Shaq and the Fool, of course. But you can't, you can't win a basketball game with only four guys that are performing at an NBA level. And again, a lot of these guys that they've got are just everybody that we hoped would step up, everybody that we hoped could hit a certain ceiling, everybody who hoped they could contribute. They just haven't really, not to the level that the Lakers need them to. It's that LeBron, AD, Russ, and Troy Brown is not enough to win a basketball game, not this version of those players. Pat Bev uh, just said that, sorry to cut you off. Pat Bev just said that the message in the locker room right now is just is to just stay with it and just keep getting better. That sounds, that's inspiring. Um, <laughs> no, like, it, that's not that's really the only thing you can't say right is just stick with it keep moving forward and, and do what you can do and see what happens uh this comment says never want to see ad again trade russ and him i mean your return on an ad trade is not going to be great at the moment not certainly not you're not getting what you gave up for him and to, to, to trade him now would be to suggest 
your future is going to be a very different one than what you were planning on initially. It would suggest that you're going to like fully tear it down. You're going to rebuild. You're going to do all that, which maybe you hit a point where you say, this is what we need to do. I just don't know if that's what you want to do right now. Because if that's not your plan, then what are you trading AD for? What are you getting back? Are you trying to get win now pieces? That It gets a little messy there. Right. Jared said, we thought last year was bad. This is going to be worse. AD is the killer instinct of a butterfly. Zoo kind of worked him. I mean, AD definitely outperformed Zoo on the night, but the fact that Zoo even had some kind of... It just shows you, like, you need the dominant version of Anthony Davis. And we're just not seeing that. We're not seeing that. You need the Anthony Davis that's going to be, I mean, either you you shouldn't even say that they're anywhere close on the floor. And we're not getting that out of Anthony Davis right now. We're getting a kind of a disappearing act. And I don't know how much of that is the back. Back issues can be tough. I don't know what that is like for him right now. But you're not getting the version of AD that we were hoping to see. Um that's that's for sure. I have so much I want to say about AD, but I feel like I'm going to save it for the master locks or potential other super chats because, yeah, my mock, yeah. Well, here's another one. I'm confused. If AD is a 1A guy, which maybe he's not, why is he getting cooked by Zubots? Zubots has hooks, layups, pump fakes. All AD has a fading jumper. Move off of AD. Like, AD can still be a very good defensive player. And we've seen that. And I think, I think tonight his body language looked particularly in the second half, he looked low energy and earlier in the season, we saw him high energy. We saw him contesting everything. We saw him rebounding. We saw him doing a lot for this team. So I don't, again, the back situation, I don't know if that's how big of a factor that is here, but the body language didn't look great from Anthony Davis. The energy, energy level didn't look great. He certainly didn't look like it, like his mind was saying, I'm putting this team on my back then and let's go. Looked like the opposite from AD tonight with, again, the context of the back injury, that being out there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen AD play like that bad of a game about, like defensive game of basketball. I don't think he was good defensively at all tonight. Um, maybe made a, a couple plays in the first half, but I, I don't think he played well, especially defensively and like you mentioned, man, just the body language and, you know, looked very low energy. And, yeah, man, I don't think AD played well at all tonight. No, this this was maybe his worst performance of the season, despite the fact that the stat line isn't terrible, just in terms of the energy and everything that we saw. It was, it was bizarre. Uh, Ricardo, let's face it, we're bottom five in the league right now. I think they're actually bottom two. AD's head is down and looks sad. No system or trade can save us. The Bucks won without their big three. That's because they have a deep roster of NBA players. There was a point, and I pointed this out to Sean, there was a point where the Lakers had, this was the lineup, it was LeBron, it was Kendrick Nunn, it was Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel, and Max Christie. And it dawned on me, oh my gosh, the lineup that the Lakers have on the floor right now has LeBron surrounded by Max Christie is the highest drafted player in the bunch. And Max Christie is a second rounder. Austin was undrafted. None was undrafted. Wenyum was undrafted. Like Max Christie was the highest drafted player. Now, look, Kendrick Dunn's been a 15 point per game. And I don't mean to, these guys in their NBA histories have been better. I think Austin Reeves is going to play in this league for a long time. Uh, 
you know, Kendrick Dunn was a 15 point per game scorer and all that. So I don't, I'm not trying to say all of these guys should be in the G league or something like that, but still it was, it was a little bit shocking when you sit and think about that, that that's what's on the floor with LeBron right now is all guys who were at best second rounders. It was three undrafted guys and a second rounder and LeBron. That's what was on the floor. I'm going to continue to push my Max Christie agenda, who looks pretty <laughs> all right. Played what, 16 minutes? He, he, and he's fine. He's fine. You know what I mean? Like, he's, you don't expect Max Christie to come in and give you meaningful minutes right now. You don't expect him to do that. Uh, Noble said, Noble Joshua said, this season is actually worse than last. We weren't this bad. Like, the beginning of last season, they had the easiest schedule. I mean, it was, and, and they still found ways to lose games. This season, they've had an extremely difficult schedule. They've played all these very good teams. So it, it might look a little bit better, but if they were playing bottom of the barrel teams, but the bottom line is they're still two and nine right now. Like if you were anywhere decent, you would think you w- you're going to pick up a few wins along the way, and they're just not managing to even really do that. Carlos said, Pat and Nunn don't provide anything offensively. That's that's fair. Uh, if we're going to make a trade, it needs to be those two. Two. We need Turner, AD at the five. Got bullied, shaking my head. Yeah, you're you're not getting much out of the guys that you were really hoping. We've uh, you know we're a broken record here, but if you're going to do a trade, maybe that should be the deal. You should be looking at Pat and Nunn and, and moving on from those guys, and then doing what you can to at least get a center next to AD, so maybe he doesn't wear out quite as much, and then you go from there. I don't know. Yeah, and again, AD made some points, some decent points about how him at the at the forest of Romer, and I do really believe that the initial plan heading into the season was AD being the four, because based off how they wanted to use Anthony Davis schematically, it made kind of it kind of made huh. sense for him to be a Romer, and then I think we got to the season, and you they looked at the big situation like, oh my god. Damien's not what we thought or what we thought the potential could be, right? And then Thomas didn't look that great in preseason, and then he got hurt. So um, I, I do agree with this that, like, hey, you got you to gotta get somebody else. You got to get another big down there with Anthony Davis to fully optimize him, I feel. Um, let, let him be the rumble. Let him be the free safety that – cleans up the backside coverages and gets the interceptions, right? Like, let him be that guy that, like, helps get a weak side block or uh, close down the weak side, stuff like that. Or you can utilize him more uh, freely defensively instead of having him be the guy in the ball screen and, and stuff like that. Just not fully optimizing Anthony Davis right now. I think that's a good point about what the plan was heading into the season. And I think it goes a long way, too, to illustrate – how rough Damian Jones has been. He didn't, I mean, he played one minute. I, I can't even remember that. It must've been just the, the very end of the game. Oh, time. And we're talking about how the Lakers don't look like they have NBA quality players on the floor at times. And Damian Jones can't get off the bench. That's not a great sign. That That's not great when you've got, and I know the positions matter and all that, but Kendrick Nunn not playing at an NBA level right now, you know, with, with what he's doing. You've got you've got guys who are getting minutes who aren't playing at an NBA level, and Damian Jones can't get off the bench. So what does that say about Damian Jones? 
that's not great. That's not great for sure. Ivan, Wembyama and Zion are going to look scary next year. That's a dark timeline, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Trying to find uh, any more. Red says, Hart, we need Hart. Uh, who's that? Jimmy McGinty and the replacements. Uh, AD. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just finishing the comment. AD, the Tin Man, needs a heart. I will say this, man, about this team, and this is why I can't fully get behind the, like, this team is, like, already worse than last year's team at this stage. January, sure. But this is a big reason why. I think this team has a little heart. Like, they were down 17 points after the first quarter, I believe. 38-21. Last year's team makes a little short comeback, and they lose by 30. Like, they get it back to maybe, like, they get it down to about 12, then the Clippers go on a big-time run, and that's all she wrote. This year's team, on several different occasions, they just keep fighting or keep just hanging around, and they just don't have enough firepower to, like, take that next step and sustain a big run or not allow gigantic runs by the other team, right? Um, I, I think this team is competing, but they, they just they, they battled all the way back to tie the game before giving up the big run instead of just getting to like within five and then giving up the big run. Fair. <laughs> right? And then like this team does have enough firepower. The guys like Trevor's mentioned already, the guys we expected for the Lakers to to step up haven't. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. <laughs> this is where we're at. This is where we're at. All, all we can do is is turn to Stone Cold Steve Austin quotes. <laughs> um, they're only competitive in the first half because teams are taking it lightly. Once the intensity ramps up in the second half, the gap in talent shows very easily and quickly. I, I don't know if it's just a, a change in intensity. Like teams are not putting their foot on the gas pedal. Like there's still, there's been some bizarre stuff in the third quarters, but but at, at some point, yeah, the talent does kind of win. Like, there is a, a big talent gap between even a Kawhi Leonard-less Clippers team. Like, again, you look at the Clippers roster all the way to the 10th man. How many of these guys are major rotation players for the Lakers? All of them. All of them. How many of the guys, how many of the non-LeBron, non-Russ, non-AD players on the Lakers are major rotation players for the Clippers? Not many. I mean, maybe Troy Brown Jr. is getting some minutes, maybe Lonnie Walker, but I don't even know, given the wings that they've got. That's just yeah. a stark reality. Yeah. 
there's a gap there. And why? Because the, the Clippers have much higher, higher payroll. Why? Because they've used bird rights to their advantage, because they've been willing to spend, because they've brought in players that they have bird rights for and they've managed to keep them rather than trade them away and then rather than recycle a roster every single season with veteran minimum guys. And then if a guy hits, you can't keep him because you don't have bird rights on them. It's just a roster building mess. I promise you, it's not that hard. It's so easy that it's hard to like win a championship or compete for a championship in the NBA. It's not that hard. It's not hard to win a championship in the NBA? No, okay, let me rephrase. It's like it's not rocket science. Okay. Like you build, like you look at the teams that won a title recently. Let's go back to Toronto. Toronto, the Lakers, uh, Milwaukee, Golden State. Golden State might be a little bit of an outlier, but two stars for the most part. Toronto, Kawhi, it's called Pascal, coming like coming into his own. Lakers, LeBron AD, Milwaukee, Giannis, Middleton, mm-hmm. and then Golden State, Steph, honestly, then just a bunch of really good players, right? And good coaching, good defense, wings. It is not that complicated from a roster building standpoint on but how getting gonna... those guys isn't easy necessarily, but true. But like, yeah. And then, or if you want to talk about like a, a way way to win titles with LeBron, it's shooting and wings mm-hmm. and defense. And, and defense, literally, that's that's how you win titles in the NBA, and like the Clippers. It's so incredibly frustrating looking at the Lakers and how they've built out rosters. And then you look across the hall, and like, man, the Clippers have had a pretty daggone good roster for like the past five, six years. Yep. Yeah. And the Lakers have not been able to figure it out. Um, it is keep, keep snowballing in terms of how they build out this roster. And it's to a point, I don't know how much confidence you have that the front office can build things up again but it's to a point like we're not that far off from hitting next summer and saying we have to hit the reset button because what 30 million in cap space is not going to get you that many players you don't have the depth that you need and once you use that cap space you're not going to be able to sign guys to long-term deals you're talking about a bunch of one-year veteran minimums again you you don't have the base around around these guys to do something that's where you're stuck at I'm so um, nervous for the post-LeBron, post-AD era. Mainly the post-LeBron era. I'm so it, nervous. It may it, The post-LeBron era may need to be a complete teardown. It probably does, honestly, probably in order does. because you're just stuck in a tough spot where the, the star salaries prevent you from having enough money to spend to go out there and get guys on multi-year deals and, and do all the stuff you need to do. So the only way to really fix that is to shed all the star salaries and build back up again um, in terms of long-term fix. Jose says, NBA investigate the Lakers. I'm convinced of a Rob and Jeannie affair. Come on. Uh, ain't no way you give the worst GM four more years to lie to your star, but pocket off of his name. The, yeah, that's the thing that I think a lot of Lakers fans are still confused by. Um, I think it's part of why the Lakers didn't uh, make it public knowledge that Rob Polinka was getting an extension because they knew it was a bad look. They knew that coming off of last season, your GM getting an extension is a is a bad look. The optics are not good, especially when you just fired your coach. And they were, 
like the reports are that they were upset even when it got out what four months later or whatever. I hope I don't see what's that? Go ahead, go ahead. I'll say it. I don't see much in terms of a, a business that's based on merit, right? Or at least should be based on the, the merits of your work. Like if you do well, if you're a coach and you win a lot of games, guess what? You're going to get more coaching opportunities. You're going to get more coaching jobs. If you're a player and you play well, guess what? You're going to stay in the NBA. Rob put together a championship roster and you give him credit for that, but there's been a lot of mistakes since then, both on the margins and in the big moves. And so that's why, why people look at it and say, why would you get an extension for having such a terrible season that doesn't make sense um yet it's what the the lakers did and i think fans are you you don't make that public because you knew you knew that people weren't going to be happy with that because there was no way to sell that there's no way to say he's getting this extension he we had a great season last year so here's an extension you can't say that so there's no way to sell that extension to the fan base breaking news Not, oh, sure yeah. much, not sure how much uh, we're going to be able to use that this year. LeBron James says he landed on a play and felt a spasm or a strain on his groin. He says he feels okay besides the injury after Mike Trudell asked for a comparison to his injury in 2018. He says it's not as bad as that. Okay. I mean, not as bad as that is good because didn't he, he missed like 30-plus games or something in 2018 with that injury. Yeah. Um. So the hope is that it is – a spasm or a strain. <laughs> that is, that's a pretty wide gap there. Like, like a strain means you're missing games and that's, that's a big problem. And yeah, that's not good. Uh, obviously it would be, you know, if it felt as bad as it did in 2018, that would suggest long period of time he's out. If it's a spasm, just a muscle spasm, that's totally different. And that means he's probably fine tomorrow or something, maybe a little sore. Maybe you have him take it easy for a few days. There's a wide range of outcomes there. They're going to have to have to do some imaging and figure out what's going on there. LeBron really quickly also adds that he doesn't mind physicality, but he would like to get a foul call when I get hit. He added the refs had told him for three straight games that they just missed it, and it quotes there, when it comes to non-foul calls of them. Well, gosh darn it, missed foul calls on Luka Dantich or Giannis when they get tackled in midair. Oh. Don't miss on LeBron too, please. LeBron has got to be so frustrated at this point, and rightfully so. Um, he gets hammered every night and just just can't seem to get a, a fair whistle. And that's it's it, it's frustrating watching him. Like you feel bad for him watching the way that he's officiating this game today. And it just he's penalized for being bigger and stronger than guys. Like if it's Trey Young who goes into the paint and gets contact. Part of it, he's going to go flying. Part of that's because it's Trey Young, but part of it's because he's smaller and lighter, and so the the contact is more easier is easier to see. LeBron gets hit hard, and because he's so big and strong, and he doesn't go flying around, he doesn't get these calls, and that's got to be frustrating. Um, there was a big play that happened in this game where LeBron clearly got fouled, no call. The Clippers come down and score. I mean, the the, the referees essentially took two points away from the Lakers and gave two points to the Clippers for a very obvious call right in front of them. So. I mean, LeBron may wind up getting getting fined for this, but what else is he supposed to do at this point? Because this is happening every single night. This has happened every single night for at least the past five years, it feels like. And I, I've said it, and I'm going to continue to say it. Like, 
the way LeBron's been officiated, especially since he's been in L.A., he's been the worst officiated superstar in basketball, and it's not close. So, yeah, he has to be frustrated. Joey C. says, no wonder LeBron is hurt. Rob put together a team that's been expected to be carried by a man in his 20th season at almost 38, complete and utter disgrace. He doesn't have enough help on this team. That's that's for sure. But it's not just like when Rob brought a lot of these guys in. You were hoping for better. Now, that's not to say it's a it's a good roster build. I was saying in the summer that this team is screaming for a trade. This roster is imbalanced. This roster doesn't make sense. That was obvious from the get go. But you were also hoping for a lot. But like there's a lot of guys that are performing significantly below what you would have expected coming into the season. And that's been a problem too. You've got guys who it's this roster isn't good on paper, but there's guys who aren't doing what you would hope they would do or not providing the value that you would have hoped they would provide this season that are performing significantly below that. And so that is just, just magnifying the problem. It's compounding the issue where it already isn't a good roster, but that's with everybody playing the way they should guys aren't playing the way that they should. You're not getting big contributions out of hardly anybody. Right. Uh, Wicked Bronco. The fact that Rob thinks it's smart to not make any moves makes his extension even more meme worthy. It's disrespectful to the fans for the front office to do nothing. Trade AD and Russ now. So that, that may be part of the reason behind giving Rob an extension is because then we talked about this. The silver lining is, okay, Rob gets to go into trade negotiations and there's no longer this narrative of, well, you've got to do a trade to save your job. Rob can say, uh-uh, I got a four-year extension. I don't have to do anything. You're not going to have that kind of leverage on me. I don't have to make a bad move just to save my job. We already saw Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss make bad moves when they felt like their back was against the wall. That's how they wound up with Luol Deng and Timofey Mozgov. So I understand Jeannie not wanting to be in that situation, but that still doesn't mean that you give like the, the fail safe here is Jeannie, right? Like if you're so worried about Rob making a bad move because he's trying to save his job, well, guess what? Trades tend to have to go through owners, right? GMs don't just talk to another GM and say, Hey, done deal. Good. Everybody good. No, they call their owners. And say, hey, I'm going to be doing this trade. So that's that should be enough of a, of a failsafe to prevent Rob from doing any kind of crazy move, right? If if there's a Rob has some crazy idea that I'm going to go and trade, I'm going to go trade for Rudy Gay. That's the piece I'm going to go get because he's going to help us right now. And next year he's not going to be there because he's older and, and all that kind of stuff. He calls up Jeannie and says, hey, I'm going to give up Austin Reeves and I'm going to get Rudy Gay. Jeannie, you can just say no. You don't have to give the extension in order to prevent that kind of move from being made. That's the other part of that that's, that's confusing with that whole situation. But in any event, yes, the, the idea that now you don't have to make moves because Rob's got the extension, I don't think is accurate. The extension shouldn't take off all the pressure on getting something done, you should still feel the pressure to fix the situation. And I don't know that we're seeing that from this team. And again, maybe they are behind the scenes, but 
I don't think we've seen a team that is an organization that either feels confident that they can or feels the urgency to fix this. Oh, man. Right. I mean, that's all we could say, right? Oh, man. Like, I don't even know how to respond to that. Right. I'm just saying, like, uh, pain, pain, and more pain. Do you think this is the best thing that could happen to the Lakers? No. What losing being <laughs> terrible? Uh, with LeBron he's he's got a he's he's going into something else. He says clutch influence on our team needs to be exercised for good. This is rock bottom. I don't like that is a whole different storyline, right? A whole different issue, right? If it is, and you got what like half the team is clutch sports clients, so. Is that a problem for you? Well, it wasn't a problem when you won a championship, but is that a problem that needs to be addressed? So are you, if you rebuild and you start from scratch and you tear this whole thing down, do you then sever the relationship with clutch sports? Well, I mean, they're going to have clients in the future too. Right. Not just a LeBron or AD thing. That said, if it's not LeBron and AD that are still in LA and you're, and you're you know, on this team, well, then they're not going to have clutches and going to have nearly as much say in terms of you know the roster build or any of that. But I don't I don't think there's any way I can look at this and say this is the best thing that can happen to the Lakers. I just I can't see that. Yeah, and, and to go on to your point, you kind of just made it for me there, Trevor. But like, cool, LeBron and AD are not here. But like, clutch now like has so many rep. They represent so many players now. In the NBA, so like to build a competent roster, it's going to be eventually, if not already, so so hard to avoid them because, yeah, they're going to run a large portion of the league. So, I don't know, man. Uh, Quasar said Conley, Clarkson, and Olenek, and one first for one first and two seconds. I mean. I think the Jazz, their their tank might be dead. They've they've won so many games at this point. They're the number one seed in the West. Um, they win tonight. Yep, they did. They beat the they beat the Jazz or they beat the uh, the Hawks tonight. They're the number one team in the West right now. Even if even if they started doing moves like this, they have already won too many games. Yeah, We're like eleven games in, and they've won too many games. That's how good they've been. I don't. I think if you're the Jazz. You just have to lean into this at this point. You got to forget about Wembenyama, and you got to just roll with this and do what you can to win. Unless the wheels totally fall off and their shooting percentages come back down to earth, and thirty games in, suddenly they are a, a seven seed or something, and they think are an eight seed, and they've totally collapsed. Maybe that's a different story. But as of right now, I'm probably not selling off players if I'm the Jazz. I'm probably just writing this out and see what comes of it. You might have to pull like a thunder where now referencing, you know, you tra they trade for Chris Paul. They don't expect to be that good because they didn't think Chris Paul is still that good. And then you are four seed and then you just, you start winning too many games. So like, ah, crap, we're just going to ride this thing out as far as we can. Cool. Next season, we're going to actually tear it all down so that that does not happen again. Right. And um, that might be the way they go because like yeah. you mentioned, the Spurs are now kind of getting back on track with their tanking. They've dropped a few games here recently. I think they're five and seven now. So Spurs are starting to get back on their tanking ways. But um, yeah, like the Jazz are kind of in 
they're in too deep on this one. So I think that's a good point because as much as we say, oh, it's all about Wembyama, well, it is. There's going to be other like Wembyama is amazing. He's a could be a once in a generation talent. So there could be an opportunity lost there. But the flip side is, let's say the Jazz decide next summer, and I'd have to take a peek at their salaries and stuff to see how many of these guys are on expiring deals. But let's say this summer they they get a deep playoff run, and then they decide, you know what, we know that what we did this last season is really not sustainable. Then you go and you trade away some of these players. You trade away. Kelly Olenek, you trade away Jordan Clarkson. You're going to get like even more value coming in your way in return. In addition to all the stuff that you already got in the Gobert trade and the Mitchell trade, like you might have to wait another year to really like officially start your tank, but you can pick up even more assets because now a lot of these guys have increased their trade value. So that's the other thing here for the jazz and why they, you know, I, I think they're past the point where they can actually, trade away players you look at and i don't even know if they're going to do that like lowry Markin has been fantastic colin sexton has been good for them yeah a lot of these guys have two-year deals i mean beasley has a, a team option for another year at 16 million jordan clarkson well he's got a player option olenic has a non-guaranteed portion of his deal like they can keep a decent amount of these guys or make a big move and, and trade them in the summer maddie james said i'm Sean said, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's it. I can't do this anymore. Sean just peaced out of the show. Maddie James said, I'm shrugging my shoulders with hands up in the air to only accept the fact that the Lakers are good at stacking up L's. That's, that's what we've seen so far. Obviously we'd like to see them improve. We'd like to see them, um, get some wins, but right now it's, it's not happening. Uh, did you see the Windhorse article that speculates that the Lakers may sell part of the team? Thoughts? I did not. I have not seen that, but I will go take a look for that uh, right after this. I did not see that. I went on a field trip today, uh, a first grade field trip with my daughter. So I, I was a little bit out of the loop today uh, in terms of the news, but I will go check that out because that, that definitely sounds interesting. Uh, Roberto, could someone break Sam Presti out of OKC, please? So... That's the other piece to this is if there is no salary cap for executives, there's no salary cap for coaches either. And I've said this for a while, like you're the Lakers. You're one of the most valuable sports franchises on the planet. There is no salary cap for executives. Why are you not going out there and getting the best of the best? You can make them the highest paid, whoever that is, make them the highest paid executive in the NBA. And there's no cap. You're one of the most valuable franchises on the planet, not in basketball, in all of sports on the planet. There's no reason to not have the very best running your front office. There's not. If it's not Rob, you're the Lakers. Go figure out who is the best and get that. Easier said than done. I know. And it's not the way the Lakers have operated in terms of bringing in outside hires and that kind of stuff. But it's a fact. There's no salary cap to stop you in this scenario. Wicked Bronco says, we gave Russ crap for not buying into his role, but AD hasn't bought into his role at the five since the title run. He looks scared to be aggressive. I really think Turner and Heald could help. 
you know, I do think Turner and Heald would help. I think they would be uh, pretty big helps for the Lakers. The question becomes, what's going on with Anthony Davis? What's going on uh, with LeBron? What's going on with his injury? So that's going to help determine whether or not the Lakers are willing to make a move. But AD doesn't want to play the five, but he said many, many times that he will do it. Uh, if if that's what the team needs, he'll do it. So, yeah, look, I, I saw a kind of a lethargic Anthony Davis, but I'm curious to see what he says after the game. I thought the beginning of the season, we saw an energized AD. We saw an AD that looked, we were talking about AD maybe being the defensive player of the year. He was making incredible plays early on in the season. Tonight, we didn't see that. Tonight, we saw an AD that looked much more reserved, like you mentioned. Um, looked like he didn't want to be aggressive. I don't know how much of that, and we've seen a disappearing act from him over the last few games. I don't know how much of that is AD, how much of that is injury, what what that's all about. But I, I'm not going to disagree. The Turner and Heald would, would help, and maybe it does slide AD over to the four, and that helps as well. Um, Jason Kelly, no way this team... Uh, be much better against weaker competition. Blow it up. AD to the Knicks. He'll get injured and those picks will be good. If LeBron wants a trade, trade him this summer. Keep Russ. You know what's kind of funny is, as much as I talk about bird rights and all that, the Lakers actually have Russ's bird rights or will have Russ's bird rights. So could we be staring at a reality, a world where the Lakers trade away AD and LeBron and keep Russell Westbrook? I, do, I don't see it. I think if they if you're trading away AD and LeBron, you're doing a full teardown. Russ isn't going to want to stick around for that. He's going to go somewhere else. But but nonetheless, I I don't think the Lakers are there yet. I know this this feels terrible in this moment, and it is. And as much as we want to say, burn this whole thing to the ground because this is awful and this is hurting us and we want to lash out against it and, and all of that. Like I understand the pain. I understand the frustration from Lakers fans. I don't think organizationally they're at that point where they're saying, Hey, this is, yeah, we're, this is not happening. Let's just trade everybody. But if this continues this season, if we don't see things change, that may be a real conversation you have to have this summer. Cause like I said, in terms of cap space, if you go into the summer with 30 million in cap space, now you have draft picks you can trade too, but who are you getting? And then if you get that player, how are you building out a roster? You're stuck in the same spot. How do you build out a roster with LeBron, AD, and then whoever you got with the cap space? Whoever you got in a trade, maybe. Because if you if you don't have, like Russ is not under contract when you go into the summer. So you go into June and say you want to make a draft night trade. You're not using Russ's salary in a trade because his contract is expiring. So you can't, you're not doing that. So what are you doing if you're the Lakers? If you make a trade, you're probably going to use that cap space to absorb a salary in a trade. So that 30 million, that's probably going to be gone. You don't have other salaries really to add in there because it's LeBron, AD, and Max Christie on the books, and that's about it. So again, you're in a spot where your team would be LeBron, AD, whoever you traded for, or LeBron, AD, and whoever you signed with 30 million bucks, roughly. Maybe that's one player. Maybe it's two. At best, it's three. If you can get three guys to take 10 million each. And then what's that roster? It's LeBron, AD, three guys who are worth $10 million each, and the rest of your roster is vet minimums. 
that that's not great. That's real similar to the situation you're in right now. So if things continue along this way and we don't see some kind of big change, the Lakers may have to have some difficult conversations this summer and some hard decisions made about where they're really at and what is really the best path forward. All right, we're going to do a few more. Jeannie needs to sell the team if this is how she's going to run it. This is atrocious. Dr. Jerry Buss probably rolling over in his grave right now. I understand the frustration with Jeannie. I understand the frustration with the front office. It's not unwarranted. Um, Lakers fans don't want to go into this season and say, we're doing last season all over again. It's going to be a joyless season. It's going to be a grind. It's not going to be any fun at all. It's not going to be like Lakers basketball. And that's what we're being given by this Lakers team, by this front office. Uh, fans are going to be upset, and rightfully so. The only thing worse is if fans weren't upset. Because that's when people just stop caring, right? People being upset right now is a good thing. You can make it worse, and you can make people stop caring if you if you continue down this path. You have to fix things. I don't see the Buzz family selling, but you've got to figure out something here. Typical Lakers game. Fall behind in the first, playing behind, great second quarter, terrible third, fake comeback, losing the fourth. AD ain't the guy. He did follow a familiar script, except this time the Lakers came all the way back, tied the game, and then gave up the big run. Luke Morris. Uh, hey, guys. Love the show, as always. Hey, Sean's back. Uh, quick question. Is the current team worse than last year's team at this point? So, two things. Um, to answer it, yes, they are worse than last year's team. But you're not comparing apples to apples because the strength of schedule is the complete opposite. Last year's team had a super easy schedule early. And in fact, even when they were above 500, we were concerned because they were dropping games to some of the worst teams in the NBA. And so this, if you look at last year's te team at this point, yes, they were better, but they also weren't really playing any of the top teams. Jump over to this season, they've played nothing but top teams, essentially. So you're not comparing the same thing. So, yes, that's correct. Their worst, their record right now is worse than their record 11 games in last season, but their schedule is the complete opposite between the two seasons. So you have to factor that in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what were, what were, they, what were they after the first 11 games last year? What, six and five, probably? Like, you know how it was good something we be. Yeah, like, you know how good we'd be feeling right now if this team was six and five? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, against this schedule? Yeah, we'd be feeling really good right now. Right. Uh, Bruce Chang, Lakers are, are too far gone already. Trade AD now. Understand it. Daniel said, tired of watching players dribble around AD with no contest and getting lit up by every center. Totally disengaged. No gas after halftime. Barely makes it past half court. At this point, Westbrook looks better. AD, he was trailing behind the play a lot tonight. I'm curious yeah. to see what he says in his post game, but it didn't. I mean, AD was kind of just moving at a shuffle pace out there. And I don't know what that, that was uh, a result of. Carlos Ramirez, AD for Draymond and Clay. Make the call, man. Is that the best we can get for AD right now? Yeah, and I don't really think the Warriors would do that because they're so, I mean, that, that core is so, like, integral to who they are and, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I don't think they're doing that. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Uh, go ahead. Really quick, going on with the Lakers schedule thing, and you made this point in the, the uh, playback stream. The They have not played a team below 500. And even if you look at their the uh, current records now, the Timberwolves only a couple games back, and the Warriors, but, like, the Warriors for sure, like, that's not sustainable. That's not going to last. But, like, you've played the number one seed in the West, the number three seed in the West, the number four seed in the West, and the Clippers twice, and the Pelicans. Like, this is not su- sustainable. The schedule has to line up eventually, and the Lakers got to just um, take those wins and win the gimme games when those games do eventually come up. Uh, Chris says, Jeannie and her now partner in crime, Rob, have been destroying the franchise one decision after another. There's no real fix. That doesn't take years. That I mean, there, there might not be. There might not be a quick yeah. fix to this. This might this might very well be a long process to fix this, meaning we're talking post-LeBron, post-AD, if we continue going this way. Now, again, there's other, st- there's other stuff that can happen between now and then, and we'll see what happens from here. But, again, as I've been saying, I think there may be some difficult decisions that have to be made this, uh, this summer. Esham said, a LeBron-AD team has less wins than a rookie-filled team in Detroit. I wonder if LeBron regrets not leaving money on the table to get quality help. This is sad. Well, the I mean, he's still... It's not like he signed a new contract that kicked in this year. That's the... That's the problem. It's not like LeBron was a free agent this past summer. He wasn't. He was set to have to be a free agent next summer. And then he signed an extension onto that. So... Even if, so, LeBron taking less money or whatever, that wouldn't have done anything for the Lakers this past summer. Oh no! What? Darvin, you're my guy. I, 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 there's no video attached, and this is just from a random account. I okay. Before you even say it, Darvin did get misquoted the other day, uh, pretty badly about you know he. Somebody said he said something about a repeater tax. He didn't actually use those words. Anyway, just mention that. But what what's going on? The quote goes, and again, fair point. I'm going to watch the video. It's not about it's not wins and losses. It's about sustaining that competitive spirit. We just got to fill our cups back up. Okay. I, I, I think you mean well, Darwin. But you can't expect that to go over well. Now, again, I'm going to watch the clip after or whatever. But, like, all in all, like, I think he is right. Like, and what I mean by that is, like, regardless of the result, mm-hmm. two things that should always be constant, regardless of what the result is, is your quote-unquote competitive spirit and how you prepare, right? Like, whether you win or whether you lose, your intensity, your preparation – shouldn't waver because that's how high it should be, right? So I don't think he's per se wrong or necessarily, um, like, I don't think he means harm or anything. I don't want to, like, harm like it's a bad thing, but that's just not what Laker fans want to hear right now. Well, 
I also think, you know, think back to the beginning of this, which we're not even, it's, we're talking about a few weeks ago, the beginning of the season, this was a team that sold out on the defensive end of the floor, that was flying all over the place, that was hustled, that was energized, that was all of that. Some of that has dissipated and we're only seeing it in short bursts now. And so I think he's not wrong in that sense. Like they, they're not sustaining the energy levels that we saw earlier on. And you can see the game, the toll of losing is starting to hit them and it's affecting their play. So he's not wrong in that sense, but yeah, they, they need some, some feel good moments for sure. Lakers fans do too. Um, anime dude said a trade isn't fixing this team. Just let new Orleans take the pick if it's top five. So be it. Don't mortgage the future for this bad team. Keep the picks. I forget who it was that made the point. It might have been you. It might have been some, somebody else that made the point when Brooklyn made the awful Celtics trade. And they realized that they were in too deep or whatever. There wasn't any trade that was going to fix it. And so instead of just mortgaging their future, like, screw it. Whatever the pick is that Boston gets, screw it. Let's just take it, and then let's just try to rebuild the team. I don't think yeah. the Lakers are at that far rock bottom yet, but like that's kind of what the super chat is like is like alluding to like, hey man, like there isn't a trade that's gonna fix it. Let's just like not mortgage our future even more and make another bad trade. Let's just accept the fact New Orleans is New Orleans, or in their case, boss is gonna get a pretty daggone good pick. And then you try to rebuild your team the right way. I don't know. Just that's what yeah. the super reminds me of. Your motivation can't be we need to win games right now because we don't want the Pelicans to get a good pick. Right. Your 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 focus needs to be on building your team the best way that you can and figuring that out from there. Right. And like, does it become a bigger story? Do people poke fun at you and all that kind of stuff? Yes, but it it is what it is. You have to focus on building out your team. Period. Um, we'll do a couple more, then we'll call it a night. Brian said, I'm so depressed, Trevor and Sean. Cheer me up, please. We can't catch a break anytime, anywhere. Feels like there's nothing to look forward to. I feel you, man. I mean, I, I get it. Like, it if the Lakers didn't have this pick swap, and again, that can go back to, well, you should have done a better job negotiating the Anthony Davis trade. But if this pick swap wasn't a, a situation, we'd be talking about, okay, well, you know what? Silver lining. Maybe you get a generational talent in the draft. Maybe we're talking about you, you get involved in the tank race here. Get, heck, maybe you get Scoot Henderson. Maybe it's Wembin Yama. Maybe it's somebody else. But there'd be that silver lining. Because of this pick swap, that isn't there. It isn't there. So it does make it feel like there's no, there's no positives here, right, from the way this team is playing. There's not much to look forward to. So I, I wish I had something where I said, where I could say, oh, well, but, but, Actually, this is really good because I got nothing there. It's like Chris Traeger in, in Parks and Rec. He said he had a moment where he's the super positive guy for everything. And he tried to go to his old catchphrase where this may actually be the best thing that ever happened to me when something bad happened. I think he got dumped. And he couldn't he couldn't find anything. That's kind of where we're at. There's no positive spin to put on this. Losing games feels bad. And there's not much good that can come from it. So all you can do if you're the Lakers is dig in and do whatever work you can to take this feeling that you've got right now and make sure it never happens again. And you got to figure out what the path is to get there. Feels like there's nothing to look forward to. LeBron breaking the score record, hopefully, this year, maybe. So... Like, yes, that's a big thing. That's a big deal for LeBron. That's a big deal for his career. 
but it's not going to mean nearly as much if this is the season they're having. Like to sure. Lakers fans anyway. To LeBron, it might be a big deal. To NBA fans in general, it might be a big deal. It's a huge record to fall. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but it's going to feel kind of hollow, I think, to Lakers fans if they are one of the bottom teams in the conference when it happens. Yeah. You already do a master lock? I didn't because we're everything is just getting master locked right now. <laughs> uh, e said, with the first pick of the NBA draft, the Lakers select Wemben Yama for the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, that's Jeez. unfortunate reality of it. Uh, trade AD and Russ and LeBron in the summer. That would be that complete teardown that we've been talking about maybe happening. All right. Let's wrap things up there. I know there's a lot of super chats that I didn't get to. I will get to them on our next show and we'll talk more. Hopefully everybody got to vent a little bit. And yeah, I know there's no, there's no feel better from this moment, but hopefully you at least got to get a little bit out of your system, move on, refresh, start anew tomorrow. We'll go from there, but appreciate everybody for joining us. I know this is not an easy situation. The Lakers are in right now. It's frustrating and rightfully so fans are angry. Fans are fed up and they have every right to be, but we're in this together and let's see what happens from here till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the planet premier league podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.